Hearted series. It's so good. We've been looking forward for this. And today is that wonderful time and wonderful day when we're going to go through this series. Uh, it's going to be really a good one. And I pray that God will be with us as we begin this series and our hearts will be in it so that together we are able to be blessed and start the year strong together and get what God has for us. Before we do, uh, we go further and start our sharing, I would like to pray. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for the invite to be wholehearted. We thank you, God, for your provision, for the provision of your spirit, and for the direction that you have given to us. God, bless us together as we listen to your word. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, um, wholehearted series, and I, I want us to start our reading today from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, and verse 4 up to 6. Here is what the Bible says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. So it's a reminder that uh, on the law that the laws that God gave to Moses, and it starts by saying, "Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord our God is one. The Lord our God is one, and Him alone is to be worshipped." And it goes on by saying, you should love the Lord your God with all your hearts. Not half-hearted, but whole-hearted. Love the Lord your God with all your hearts and with all your soul and with all your strength. It's, it's such a complete whole picture of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. With all your strength. And you are not to love him partially. You are not to give him half of that. But you have to love him with all of that which has been mentioned. Your mind, your heart, your strength. I, I want us today to look at our sharing which says from zero to hero. From zero to hero. And it's a picture of King David and King Solomon. I was, I was looking at it and say, wow, it's, it's such not a fair comparison. <laughs> Comparing the father and the son. So we know about Solomon that Solomon was the second born, was the, was the second son to David. The son that he had from Bathsheba. And you know, there, he had... Many others, the firstborn died and had others. So Solomon was his second son that he had from Bathsheba. And then we're going to look at uh, the reign, the rise of Solomon, um, his journey, his heart, his dedication. We're going to look at also David the father and his heart and, and how God was with him. And compare with the two, how their devotion to God was and bring back the message to, uh, to us today. And how God wants us to live today. And how God wants us to enjoy life today. And our focus really is going to be this. 
And uh, some of our, some of you have, have already, we sent this through Lena on, the, on, on, on some of the WhatsApp. We're saying, being rich or poor, young or old, male or female, doesn't limit or define your success in life. Your heart does. I want you to listen to that again. Being rich or being poor, being young or being old, being male or being female, this doesn't limit you or it doesn't define your success in life. The reason that you are young doesn't limit you from becoming everything that God wants you to become. Being male or female isn't a limiting factor from living a whole life, living a successful life, or becoming the person that God wants you to become. Being poor or being rich doesn't either define you or doesn't limit you from becoming everything that God wants you to become. But the limiting factor or something that can propel you to live the complete life that God has defined you for you before you were born, it is actually your heart. Your heart does. The Bible says where your mind is, uh, where your wealth is, or where your riches is, there your heart will be. And then Jesus goes on by saying, from the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. Then we go back to Solomon. He says that guard your heart diligently above all else. Because from your heart comes issues of what? Life. Meaning, living and life and its success comes from where your heart has devoted. It all depends with the devotion of one's heart. It all depends with what you have harbored and what gives you energy and where you feel like this is. It's all about priority. And we're going to just in a matter of minutes look about that. From zero to hero. This is a picture of David versus Solomon. We start with David. We look at the life of David. And what David is remembered for. You know, David is not so much remembered for, his, uh, for killing Goliath, you know, the giant. He's not only remembered for being that hero that killed Goliath. He's not... Remembered for the wealth and the substance that he had. He's not remembered so much for, um, in the Bible, if you read the old Bible from New and Old Testament, he's not so much remembered for being this famous guy that had a lot of wealth, for being the, the second king in Israel and stuff like that. But David, David is remembered so much for his wholeheartedness, for his devotion to the Lord. When you read in the Bible... David is remembered so much for restructuring the worship system in Israel. The Bible says that David was a man who was, whose, whose heart was after God. He always chased after God. While other people chased after so many things, David's heart chased after God. And in, in one of his Psalms, he says, As the deer pant for the water, so my, my soul longs for you. Okay, like in a desert land where there's no water, as my heart is thirsty for the water in the desert, so my heart thirsts for you. I long for you, my God. So this guy was a God chaser. 
He chased after God. He was after God and he wanted really to be with God and know the fullness of God. And look at God's recommendation of David in Acts chapter 13 and verse 22. Acts chapter 13 verse 22. This is what God says of David. He says, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. That's such a good recommendation from God to you and me. I have found David, son of Jesse, the man after my own heart. He will do everything that I ask him to do. And if we go to Psalms, here is what God recommends. It's not going to be there, but something that we all know. The Bible says that God says, I have found a man after my own heart. David, son of Jesse, he will lead my people with the integrity of his heart and the skill of his hand. So this happened before David did anything good to people. God already knew him. He knew his heart. He knew his devoted devotion to God. And God said, this man is wholehearted in me. He loves me. I want to believe, you know, when we read about David, before he came to public knowledge, like before people knew him, the man was in the forest. He was looking after his father's sheep. And we hear of his prophet when he said, the bear at some point came and I had to tear them apart to protect us, to protect my sheep. The sheep of my father. The lion came. I had to wrestle with them. I had to chase them away. His heart was sold in for what God had given him. His heart was wholehearted. He was wholehearted for the things that were around him. And the Bible says that he was a worshiper. He would sing music. He would compose music. And that attitude, he went with it even to the palace. He worshipped the Lord. He, he, he prayed to God. His heart was so sold in to loving the Lord and wanting everyone and all the people to come and worship the Lord. Actually, the Bible says of him that when he was king in Israel, that he went and demolished all the high places, all the high to worship. He destroyed every Ashura places on every mountain where the Israelites worshipped idols and other foreign gods. The Bible says David wept in his heart to see that he wept for Jerusalem. He went and destroyed everything, all the idol worship. And he asked people if they can join him in repentance and in worship of the Lord. And he composed music. And the book of Psalm is filled with the music, with the worship that David composed. And God says, the man after my own heart is so sold out. He's so wholehearted. He will do anything that I want him to do. Can that be said of us as well? Can God say that about us? About us? That I've found my, a, a man, I've found a woman after my own heart. He or she will do anything that I ask him or her to do. They are wholehearted. It will be such a good recommendation for God to say about you and me. And you know what? There's, I look forward to one recommendation that Jesus has promised to they that follow him. He says that one day I will, I will welcome you to my father. And he say, look, behold, 
my good and faithful servants. They served God wholehearted. Come and enter the rest. Come and celebrate and enjoy because you have done well. David was such a man that God said, a man after my own heart. So David came from a humble beginning, but he rose to become Israelite's favorite king. He was raised by God from being a shepherd of his pasture, from being a shepherd in the deserts, in the uh, lonely places, in the wilderness, but even in the secret place, God knew the heart of David. Even when nobody knew him, even when they had forgotten about him, God knew that David was a man who loved the Lord. Your heart for God may not only be known when you are in church or when you are among your friends, God sees and knows your heart even when you are alone, even when you are at your downmost moment, even when you, are, you feel forsaken, even when you are depressed, even when you feel like life is not going anywhere. There, God knows your heart. Let's set our hearts right before the Lord and he's going to lift us up in, a, in due time. Let's set our lives right before the Lord. And in a right time, God is able to lift us from zero to becoming hero of faith. From being nothing to becoming something. From being low to becoming high. And we are able to walk with our shoulders and our heads up and know that I know my Redeemer lives. And I am glad that I'm alive because I move with my God. That was a testimony of David. A man after God's own heart. And quickly after that, here comes his son, King Solomon. King Solomon, the man that his father loved so much. King Solomon was a man that the Bible talks about his beauty. And the Bible talks about his love, the love the father had for him. And the, man, the Bible talks about... How the man grew up with favor from his father and he had everything lined up. He had everything lined up for him. Actually, David made sure that he was there to see his, uh, his successor, his son, becoming the next king. The Bible says that David prepared everything for his son to become king. He also prepared half of his life's um, vision or journey of, of, of constructing the temple of God. And David had demolished and prepared everything. He had destroyed the idol worship. And in the time of David, the people worshipped the Lord. They had the fear of God in their heart. People knew where to go. They knew how to seek after God. And so Solomon's coming in as a king could have been a straight complete one. It would have been a straightforward one because he had somebody that had laid foundation. Let's look at how David started as a king. Actually, he spent about 30 years running away from King Saul. Who wanted to kill him. He was always in the wilderness. Whenever he ran away, people would laugh after him and look at what kind of a king he would become. Look at the king in the wilderness and in the desert. He had enemies after enemies. But because he was wholehearted for the Lord, God gave him the throne. God exalted him from being a wanderer, from being a runaway, from being a wilderness wanderer to becoming a great king. 
that was so adorned with all beauty and with all this goodness and the favor of God was upon him. But he made sure that the next king would not pass through what he passed through. He made sure that his son had everything ready to start his reign. And the Bible says that Solomon became the next king and his kingship began with the deathbed uh, of David. When David was there, David was on his deathbed. The Bible says that he said that I cannot die. Pray to the Lord and say, I cannot die without seeing my successor. Do me this one favor. And God gave him a go ahead to go and, and anoint his son as a king. And then David gave his final charge to his son to become faithful to the Lord. To keep the commandments between God and Israel. And to observe everything that God had put in writing for them to be able to follow. So David, Solomon started as a king. And the Bible talks about how he became so rich, so popular, and how he became so famous. Actually, even his name, the Bible says that his name, Solomon, it comes from a Hebrew word which is shalom. It means peace. And God granted him so much peace such that there was no single, there was, there was no major battle or no major war during his reign. He, was, he had peace from all the borders. He conquered territories. The kingdom expanded north, south, and east. And the people enjoyed peace. They had abundance in his time. And one day, he had a dream. There's two dreams that the Bible talks about Solomon. And this first dream, it was God cutting a deal with him. God said, ask for anything that you want because I, I am pleased with you. And I'm pleased with your father, David. Therefore, ask for anything that you want. I'm going to give that to you. And the Bible says that De Solomon went for wisdom. He said, God, give me wisdom. So that I may lead your people with knowledge and the fear of the Lord. With wisdom. So that I can look after them well. And the Bible says, God says that for you have asked for a good thing. God did not only give him wisdom. Alongside wisdom, God gave him also wealth. He gave him riches. He gave him power. He gave him authority. He gave him everything. He gave him peace. He gave him wealth together with that. And his kingdom started growing. It started expanding. And in the beginning, the man had the fear of God. He, had, he kept all the commandments that David had, had given him about God. And the Bible says that later on, because of his influence, his heart started being, getting divided. He started having divided devotion to God. He started pursuing after so many other things. And it all started with Solomon pursuing after his own desire. There were two major things that were supposed to be done. The first thing was constructing or finishing the temple. And also at the same time, Solomon started building his palace. So the temple took seven years to finish. But his palace took 14 years to finish. Now... The comparison between the two actually showed where his heart was, according to the Bible's, how the Bible brings it. It says he built the palace 
like never before. No man had ever seen such a palace as that which Solomon built in his time. Not only did he do that, he went and married the daughter of uh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter. You know, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Solomon went and married her as the queen of the Israelites. In as much as that would have looked so nice, let's look behind what's the history between the two people. The Egyptians taught the Israelites how to worship foreign gods. That's the first thing. The second thing is that the Egyptians had held the Israelites in captivity for 400 years. These men and women were burning bricks using grass. They were tortured by scorpions biting them. They were so tortured and God saw that it was not good. He had to separate the Israelites and the Egyptians. By raising up Moses to save or rescue his people from the Egyptians. And God commanded them never to go back to Egypt. And God commanded them never to worship the gods, the 400 gods the Egyptians worshipped. And famous 70 gods. They had so many gods, the Egyptians up to now, that they worshipped. And God said you should never go back. That's why in Exodus, when they, Moses went for 40 days to Egypt, I mean to the mountain, the Bible says they wanted to go back. They asked Aaron if he can take them back to Egypt. And they started us up worshiping Molech, one of the cow goddess of the Egypt of the of, of the Egyptian people. And because of that, God had to kill half of the people in the wilderness. And here is a thousand, almost seven hundred years after, after God raises a king, David. And then here is a man that was becoming a king. He went back to Egypt and made alliance with the Pharaoh and married his daughter and brought her to the city of David. That was right at the center of Israel. And later on, that was not enough. He went on and again and married a lot and a lot more. And together, concubines and wives, they were together 1,000. He was such a man. Wow. 1,000 wives. Wow. That's so good of him. <laughs> 1,000 wives. As much as that may sound like that, the Bible says that each wife, because all these 1,000 wives, they were not all Israelites. Most of them were from pagan, were from different, from different nations. Where God was not worshipped as the only God of the universe and earth. As the only God to worship and follow. So the Bible says each wife of his are the God that she worshipped. So 1,000 wives came with a demand to this one man and say, I want you to give me that mountain and put a temple for my God. Or put a shrine for my God on the top of that mountain. And I want to worship my God on that mountain. You know, there's something about the request that comes from the wife that you so much love. I won't say much in that line. 
Deo, I won't say much. <laughs> Therefore, the Bible says that Solomon granted his wives their requests. Look at something that is so beautiful about Israel. The Bible says in Psalms, as mountains surrounds Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people with beauty, with goodness and favor, right? So the Bible talks about the Israelites of Jerusalem being a city that is surrounded by beautiful mountains. And each mountain had an historical event of what God did and how God served these people. It were, they were sacred places. They were really good places. They could look back to that Mount Ammon and remember what God for, did for them. They look at the other mountain and had history to tell their people. Now Solomon's 1,000 wives demanded for each mountain. And he gave them the mountains. And on each mountain, they started worshiping God. So they were like God Molech. They had God Ashroth. They had God Ashtoth. They had God. They are different kind of gods. Each wife are different kind of gods. That they started worshiping on each mountain. Now look at the picture. The mountains around Israel or Jerusalem. And the kingdom is in between the mountains. And there are gods surrounding the people of God. There are gods on each on top of each mountain, and people would go there. You can't have a temple without having people to go there and worship. And which people went there to worship? The people of God. They had a, they had divided hearts. They had to go after different kind of gods because these gods promised something good to each person, to each worshiper, the people that were devoted to them, and the people's hearts were divided. So in his reign. The worship of the only one and the true God was compromised because his heart was not wholehearted. Because his heart was so divided. Therefore, people's hearts were also divided. They started going after different kind of gods to go and worship them, to go and adore them. And God's heart was full of wrath. Therefore, in 1 Kings chapter 9 and verse 1, up to 9, the Bible says that Solomon had a second dream. He had this dream right after he finished the temple. He built the temple of God, furnished it, and dedicated it to the Lord. And the Bible says that God received the, the temple. And the temple is full of his presence. The Bible talks about the Shekinah glory. The glory of God's presence filled the temple such that people could not get in it. It was so full of the temple, of the, of the worship, of the presence, of the glory of God. And everybody saw the glory, even in its appearance. Right after the dedication of the temple, the Bible says Solomon had a dream, a second dream. And in this dream, in First Kings chapter 9, the Bible says, and God warns him to offer wholehearted allegiance. And not follow after the gods of Israel's neighbors. Otherwise, this temple will become a heap of rubble. God came to Solomon for a second time in a dream. And warns him and says, Solomon, I want you to offer me your whole heart. I want you to make an allegiance with me to be wholehearted during your time. And if you're going to be wholehearted, I'm going to exhort you more. I'm going to expand you even more. But if you are half-hearted, if you keep on following after the foreign cars, I'm going to make this temple to become a heap of rubble. 
The Bible says that though God warned Solomon, he had a stronger allegiance with his marriage uh, partners, with different countries from where Solomon had gone to marry these different wives of his. And later on, because he did not listen to what God said, the Bible says, Pharaoh, the father to his wife, and his armies, they came and they overcame the south part of Israel. Judah was, was, was terrorized and they started devouring the sacred laws of God. The people's hearts were no longer uh, devoted to the worship of true God. Therefore, a divided heart is equal to a divided kingdom. That's the message God is trying to send across. Why does God want us to be wholehearted? Because a divided heart was equal to a divided kingdom. His divided heart brought about the divided kingdom. The Bible says that the kingdom in his time was divided such that it had never, it was never united again. The kingdom that was one, the kingdom that was strong, the kingdom that was united became a divided kingdom because of his lack of his wholeheartedness. The, the story that we're getting from this is that when the heart of the king is devoted to the Lord, that devotion affects every aspect of the king's reign. And the Lord blessed the kingdom and extended the kingdom to, with, the, with a powerful reign. But since Solomon did not want to be wholehearted to the Lord, the kingdom was divided. Now listen to this. If wholehearted love for the Lord evokes extravagant blessings, a divided heart evokes extravagant downfall, failure, and disappointment. If being wholehearted to the Lord, if being wholehearted, having the love for the Lord, evokes extravagant blessings from God, the same is true. The opposite is true. That the divided heart evokes extravagant downfall. It brings about failure. It brings about disappointment. Look at the end of Solomon's life. He ends his life with murmuring, with complaining, and he's saying life is meaningless. If you read in uh, Songs of Solomon, the Bible talks about, or in Ecclesiastics, the Bible says, Solomon is saying, meaningless, meaningless, all is meaningless. Life is meaningless. The man who's saying it's all meaningless is such a wealth king. We have no comparison to him, actually, of being wealthy. The Bible actually says that his appearance and the clothes that this man had, there is no single flower that can be compared to the beauties of his garments. He was so wealthy. He was so rich. And the same man was also full of wisdom from the Lord. But his heart did not move in line with the wisdom that God had given him. And that brought about his downfall. If wholehearted love for the Lord evokes extravagant blessings... 
Let's watch out because a divided heart evokes uh, extravagant downfall. It brings about failure. It brings about pain. It brings about disappointment. If you are not with the Lord, you cannot enjoy life to its fullness. If God is not in your life, if God is not in your heart, if you do not go after God's heart, no matter how much wealth we can make in this life, no matter how, how much famous we may become at one point, that all become meaningless. Our life may not be full of joy. David was a man that was prepared for the throne. Because of his wholehearted devotion to the Lord, God exalted him. But Solomon's divided heart brought division in the kingdom that David had built. Now, I want us to, to look at what would happen if we are wholehearted. Let's take an example of a student. What would happen if students are wholehearted? We all know they will do very well in their studies. They will pass with flying or bright colors. They will secure for themselves an amazing career, isn't it? Because they are wholehearted in their studies. How about if an employee is wholehearted? When one is wholehearted in their work, they have a devotion, they have a heart, they have a complete dedication for what they do. If an employee is wholehearted, they will have promotion. They will enjoy their career. They will be praised among their equals. They will be elevated from zero to becoming heroes. Okay? They are going to be given all the nice medals. They are going to have all the nice favors from their company. Because they are dedicated. Because they, their heart is full of commitment to what they are doing. And that kind of an employee is going to enjoy his or her career. How about a spouse who is wholehearted? A spouse who is wholehearted. If families are wholehearted, they are going to enjoy their life together. There's going to be peace. There's going to be harmony. There's going to be laughter. There's going to be joy in that family. Because the hearts are so together to see that the, the friend is happy. The spouse is happy. If we are so devoted, if we are so uh, committed as a spouse, as a family, as a couple, they will be happy, happiness, and there will be uh, joy in that family. How about if a Christian is wholehearted to God? Mm. How about if Christian, a Christian is wholehearted to God? If a Christian is wholehearted to God, fervent in prayer, dedicated to worshiping God, doing God's will, always chasing after God like David did, the Bible says that God lifts such a one. The Bible says, there's a scripture that the Bible says that God exalts the humble, the humble. And what does he do to the proud? He brings them lower. So if a man or a woman is after God's heart, they humble themselves before the Lord, God will exalt them in due time. It's just a matter of time. Whatever we are devoted to, whatever we dedicate ourselves, that comes out so much. If we dedicate ourselves to our studies, if we dedicate ourselves to our families, to our work, to our career, we'll become successful. 
The same is true. If we dedicate ourselves to God, if we dedicate ourselves to being a full-time Christian and preaching of the gospel of God and dedicating our lives to Jesus, we are going to enjoy life in this world. And that's what God desires of you and me. Jesus said the time is coming and the time is here when the true worshipers worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The true worshipers are wholehearted to God. Where is your devotion? Look at what the Bible says, what David says in Psalm 119 and verse 80. The Bible says, and let me live whole and holy, soul and body, so I can always walk with my head held high. Look at what the Amplified Version says. Let my heart be sound, sincere, wholehearted, and blameless in your statutes, that I may not be put to shame. What happens when a Christian, when we dedicate our lives to the Lord, when we are wholehearted to service and love for God, God lifts us up high. He lifts us up. He exhorts us. You may be asking yourself, how can I be wholehearted? I want to summarize it into two. We have to be wholehearted in our priorities. Priority. Priorities. Do we put God as first or do we put God last? Nina was talking about giving of tithing to the Lord. And if you've seen the membership form, we're looking at the things that God is asking us to be able to dedicate ourselves to, to devote ourselves to. God is calling us to be wholehearted in our priority for him. Let us put God first in everything that we do. Priority is such an important thing. It's such an important thing. Solomon's priority was not after God. Solomon's priority was after pleasure of life. He knew and he did all kind of pleasure. From taking someone's wife to marrying other goddesses and princesses. And he did all kinds of things. And what, what does he recommend in the end? He says, nothing meaningless. A chase after wind. If our priorities in life are after God, if we put God first in our lives, we are going to live life to its fullness, full of joy. Challenges will come. Circumstances will come. Different times, seasons will come in life. But our heart will be full of joy. Look at David. The man was so persecuted. The man was so full of trouble. But his heart was full of peace. Because he knew that the God to whom he was wholehearted will never let him down. When Solomon was given a chance between building his temple, the temple of God and his palace, he went after building the palace. And not only did he build the palace, the Bible says he built the palace for the Pharaoh's daughter in Israel. There was Pharaoh's palace for his wife where she had even constructed, she had even raised up like the worship of the Egyptians' God. Later on, the Bible says there was this God called Molech, and there is, the, the people started offering babies so that that God will bring about rain and all this. There were a lot of stuff things that were happening, and God was not pleased. 
Therefore, God is calling you and me to be wholehearted in our priorities. To put God first in everything that we do. God will bless everything that you have, your family, your life, your career, your devotion, your, everything that you do, if God is the first priority of your life. But if God is not, the Bible says, can two walk together unless they agree. If God is not resident in your heart, if your heart is not wholehearted for God, you do not expect God to move with you and to be with you at every step and everything that you do. God is calling you and me to be wholehearted. To look at our priorities. Look at what Jesus said about that in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. Jesus says, where your treasures are, there your heart, your mind, your body, and your soul will be. He also says that, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Look at what he's saying. Seek first God. Put God as a number one priority of your life. If God is the first priority in your life, all these things will come. All these things that you chase after, they will come. He later on said, where your treasures are, your heart will be. What you prioritize, that's what you give your whole life. The second thing that we have to look out in being wholehearted is loyalty. Loyalty. Our loyalty. A mixed loyalty in worship brings about a divided heart. Look, Solomon, the Bible talks of him as a man who had a mixed loyalty because of his wife's worship of other idols. I want, I want to believe at some point maybe he was even invited to go and worship with his wives. At some point they may say, come and see what we do in our temple. Come and see what we do with our gods. He probably studied and learned and knew about their worship. But the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 11 verse 4 that because of having these wives who are different kind of gods, he never brought them to the Lord. Because of being so much surrounded by these influences, his heart was divided and he was not loyal to worshiping the true God. His worship for God was compromised. If we are not wholehearted in our loyalty to God, in worship to the Lord, we will be divided. We will not stand strong. What can we learn from Solomon? Let's give God the first priority in our lives. Let's be loyal to God. Jesus is calling you and me to dedicate ourselves to the Lord. Let's think about this. Let's think about how our life is. How do we devote and dedicate ourselves to God? What are some of the things which are a best priority in our lives? Is God the number one priority of our lives? Are we loyal to God? Can God say about you and me, like he said to David, that the man after my own heart, he can do anything I ask him to do? How much can you sacrifice for your love for God? Jesus is inviting us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, 
our mind, our soul, and our spirit. To be wholeheartedly.